Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henley. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 2. And we're beginning a series about Jesus' letter to the churches, and it's seven churches. And so these were seven literal churches that Jesus is writing these messages to. But if you understand that the letter seven is a word that is symbolic for completeness in prophetic literature in the Bible... So those messages were for those literal churches, but they are also Jesus' complete message, seven churches being completeness, Jesus' complete message to us, his church in the last days. So it was for them, but his complete message to us is each of those seven churches had things going well and things going bad that are happening in the church today. And so Jesus' complete message as we look at this, these seven churches is what he would have to say to us, what he would commend us for, what he would correct us on, what he would warn us about, guard us about. And so listen, we need to pay attention. So we've kind of looked at what the prophetic future for Israel is. This is how we live for Jesus now. This is how we occupy until Jesus comes. This is what Jesus says to us, his bride, before he returns. So are you, are you ready? All right, Revelation 2, verse 1, always the last one there to give you more time to to get there. Verse 1, it begins, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right. Now, the Greek word for angel here simply means messenger. And so listen, this could mean uh, it is addressing the pastor of this church, or it could be referring to a heavenly angel who has been assigned oversight by God over this church. Either way, its message, Jesus' message is addressed to all. Verse 1 continues, the words of him, that is Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Now, these seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches that ultimately we will unpack in our study, Ephesus being the first one, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, the seven golden lampstands, the seven lights are the seven churches. Well, how do we know that? We'll glance up at Revelation chapter 1, 21. I'm not making anything up. Or Revelation 1, verse 20, excuse me, says this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, And the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the what? The angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the what? The seven churches. Verse 2 of chapter 2. Jesus says, I what? No. 
Now, the Greek word for know here is the Greek word oida. It means to fully know. It means to completely know. <laughs> and so here's the deal. Jesus walks up and down the aisles of our church every Sunday. And he knows the exact condition of our church. It's, it's no mystery to him, folks, where we're all at. And there may be sin. There may be hurt. There may be needs. And, and it's hidden from everyone else, but it's not hidden from him. Jesus knows what's happening on the, on the surface of our lives. And he knows what's going on underneath. He's here. And he's fully aware. And, and listen, his desire is to know you. His desire is that ultimately you really know him and that you experience him. Listen, his love, his forgiveness, his peace, his joy, his, his truth, his, his power. He wants you to enter into a life-changing eternal relationship with him. And so listen, this morning, you know, if you don't feel the presence of God, then ask the Holy Spirit right now in this moment, just, just asking to enlighten you because there is a blockage and the blockage is, is not on God's end, right? Right. <laughs> It's on our end. And so listen, I, I would just ask you, do, do you really want to know God? I've been in the ministry a long time. Well, it feels like a long time. And I've found that a lot of people want to know God, sort of. Do you really want to know Him and to respond to who He is, who He reveals Himself to be? Are you truly willing to submit your life to Him? Listen, to truly surrender yourself to him, to die to yourself. We just sang a song. Lord, whatever it is, send me. Does, does anybody struggle with saying that to God? Let me, let me just be honest and say, God, help me to be willing to say that to you. Because I do. Because sometimes I don't, I don't want him to send me. I don't want to. Are you willing to be fully possessed by the Spirit of God? To be totally yielded and controlled by Him? 
not my will be done, but your will be done in and through me, Father. So many people want a thrill from God. They like that. So many people want a blessing from God. But so few, so few want God himself. But he's here. And he's beautiful. And he's so much better than your goofy, twisted desires, friends. He has so much more for you than you could possibly imagine. And all the stuff that you're looking for, vanity, won't, won't fill you, won't last. Verse 2. I know your works, your toil, that is, the Ephesian church was... A very hard-working church. In fact, the Greek here, work and toil, literally means working to the point of exhaustion. That is, listen, the Ephesians, they, they brought their very best work to the church. They believed the church was the hope of the world and that Jesus' mission was the most important mission in their life, and they gave it their all And Jesus says, you know what? I, I know that about you. I, I see that. I, I know that. I commend you for that. I, I, I see that. I, I, I'm not missing that. I, I see it. Verse 2 continues. And your patient, what? Endurance. Now, the Greek word for endurance here means extreme hardship. That is, it wasn't just endurance. It was endurance facing life-threatening situations. And, and they were persecuted. They were killed for being Christians. It, it means extreme hardship in the face of life-threatening situation and impossible odds. And so Jesus is saying here, listen, you're, you're a hardworking church. I see it. I know that about you. You're an enduring church. I, I see that. I, I see that you, you have not wavered, man. You, you stayed the course in the face of great extreme hardship. Now a little background on... Ephesus as a city, you know, is world famous for its uh, being a religious, cultural, economic center. It was a it was a happening place, and but from God's perspective, from a biblical perspective, it was a stronghold of Satan, and it was a center for sorcery and occultic practices and and idolatry. For example, it was the center of Diana worship, and the temple of Diana was one of the seven wonders of the world. And the essence of Diana worship, she was the goddess of Asia, you know, and she's kind of like, you know, I don't know, Beyonce. 
But her worship involves sexual immorality and psychedelic drugs. And so Ephesus was a very spiritual place. It was hip. It was hip to be spiritual in Ephesus. And listen, you, you could worship a pantheon of gods any way you wanted. You choose, man. Just, just not Jesus. <laughs> just not the God because that God has authority over you. That God makes you submit to him. That God says he's the only way. They kill you for worshiping that God. Any other God, go at it. Ephesus was extremely immoral, whether it be prostitution or adultery or homosexuality or pedophilia. It was, it was all accepted, totally accepted in the culture. Just people's choice. Verse 2 continues. Jesus says, And how you cannot bear with those who are what? Now, I just want to make a point here because don't you hear how loving Jesus is? How he doesn't judge people. Jesus doesn't judge. You shouldn't judge me. Jesus, he's just nice. He, call, he says, what, who are what? He calls these people evil. But have tested those who call themselves apostles and are what? Not. And found them to be false. That, Je that is, Jesus says you're a, a doctrinally sound church. You don't put up with false teaching. You don't put up with all those self-appointed apostles. Now, what is a false apostle? Well, a false apostle is a person that uh, masquerades as a Christian leader. And listen, they can be in a small group. They can be a YouTube influencer. They can be over a church. They can be over a whole movement. They're everywhere today. And they get a following of people in and they ultimately lead them astray. And the hard thing about it is, is listen, 90 plus percent of what they say is true. It's the little twisting that leads people astray. Just, just like Satan did in the garden. Just like Satan tried to tempt Jesus, right? And we need to be wise to that. Ultimately, Paul describes these false apostles in 2 Corinthians 11. You can read that later on your own. But in verse 12, it says they, they, they boast of their spiritual authority and power. That, that is, they, they, they claim this special connection with God, right? They got it. You don't, right? Hang out with me. I got it. They, they claim an authority over you, a, a, a power. So, so listen, you should follow them. They, they speak for God. In verse 5, Paul says that they have 
smooth speech <laughs> and apparent wisdom. I love that. Apparent wisdom. <laughs> that is, they, they say things that people want to hear. And listen, that can be a hundred different things. I could give you a hundred different examples out there, but it all appeals to the flesh. Whether it's spiritually sounding, it's all about you. It's all about your dreams. It's all about your destiny. It's what you want to hear. And people eat it up. And it's apparent wisdom, you know, it sounds good and they seem to have a secret knowledge, I mean, because, well, because they basically take the scripture and make it say whatever they want to. Listen, I can do it too. (laughs) It's not hard. It's apparent wisdom. Verse 20, Paul goes on to say, that they take advantage of gullible Christians. And they profit off of them. That is, they live rich off their ministries. And they boast in their own ego. That is, it's, it's really all about them. <laughs> and if you watch them and you listen to them long enough, even when they're trying to be humble telling the story, they're still the hero of the story. Have you ever noticed that? It's, it's almost comical. But they lead people astray. And so under the facade of an anointed ministry, Paul says their real motivations are greed and power and lust. And we've seen some of them exposed in the last few years, quite a few actually, right? Now skip down to verse 6 because it's actually related here to verse 2. Skip to verse 6. We'll we'll go back to verse 3. Now uh, Jesus says this, yet this you have, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, basically, the Nicolaitans believe this. Um, you can live however you want, and God will forgive you, and you still get to go to heaven. That is, in essence, they, they thought, you know, as long as you pray that salvation prayer, you know, you can go do what you want, and ultimately it's okay because God's going to look the other way. And because you prayed that prayer, man, you 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 check that box, you'll be okay. Don't don't worry about it. This is what's called sometimes a hyper view of grace. You might hear it referred to as easy believism. This is a gospel of our modern church. This is a gospel that a lot of people in Minerva believe. Do you know some people? Oh, I, I know God. Oh, I, I've been to church for. Oh, I, yeah, I, I pray. I've been baptized. 
I'm partying every weekend and I'm doing my own thing, but hey, you know, I, I checked the box. And then when something goes wrong, they're on the phone to me or text me, Pastor Kurt, why do bad things happen? Why did God do that? Well, first you got to know him before you can even ask that question. How can I help you? How can I give you any comfort when, when you don't even believe his truth so that I can, I can unpack it for you and give you his comfort? Well, the question is, is really, you know, well, how does, how does Jesus view that version of Christianity that is too popular today? Take a look at verse 6 again. Let's see what he says. Jesus says, yet this you have, you hate the works of the, who? The Nicolaitans. That's, that is first, Jesus names them. He, he calls them out. Specifically, that's a no-no in our culture, right? Now listen, we need balance. There are people that shoot everybody. We shouldn't do that. We need to be full of love. We need to preserve the unity of the church. There are a lot of people out there that, man, if you comb over anybody, like a person that talks as much as I do, you comb over anybody, you can pull something out and say, yeah, you know. That's wrong. But the other extreme is also wrong. Where, where we, we don't say something. Because sometimes we have to in order to protect, in order for people to connect the dots, right? And so my question is, do you know of any churches, movements, people that claim to be apostles that have a special connection with God, that speak for God, and that have authority over everyone else. Can you think of anyone? How about the Pope? The Pope is a false apostle. There were times in history where you could buy your way into being the Pope. The Pope claims to speak infallibly for God. And because of that, the Catholic Church is full of demonic doctrines. Is that clear enough? I don't enjoy saying that, but it's true. How about the Mormon church? They have a prophet that speaks infallibly for God and they change their doctrine about every year and it contradicts the year before. God's really confused in the Mormon church. And they have a quorum of 12 apostles that also do the same. In the evangelical church, there has arisen a movement that has been coined uh, the New Apostolic Reformation, or NAR for short. And this movement within evangelical churches is there are apostles 
self-appointed apostles, capital A, they believe that the office, now listen up, that the office of apostle, capital A apostles, the 12, the office of apostle has not ceased. And they are capital A apostles that speak the word of God and they have authority over the churches. Some of them believe they have authority over certain cities and you have to go through them in order to have a ministry there. Those are false apostles. So hear me. Capital A apostle, the 12, unique. A capital P prophet of of the Old Testament, unique, did not continue. Listen, the Old Testament prophets, the capital P ones, and the apostles, the, the capital A ones, listen, they did have a special authority. They were inspired by God to write down his word infallibly. But when they were done, the canon was ceased. God's word was done. And so listen, the New Testament does teach that the gift of apostle, little a, that the gift of prophecy, little p, does go on, but those things are then measured, tested against the word. And I can't unpack all that now, but maybe in the Holy Spirit series, I'll unpack all the, what that looks like, what that should look like today. I lost my thinking here. I know what I was going to say. When I think about trying to, so I just identified a few, because when I think about trying to identify for you all the false apostles, my, my, my head spins. It just spins. There's hundreds of them. I, I, my mind just goes tick, 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 tick. <laughs> that, 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 I can't, I don't even have time to unpack it all for you. And then there's always new ones coming on the scene. Oh, they dressed it up that way, you know? (laughs) So how in the world? How in the world do I keep up with that? How in the world do you keep up with that? What do we... Well, here's the answer. We don't. I, I, I heard Holy Spirit, which is true as well. There's a gift of discerning spirits that helps. No doubt about it. But here's also what helps, and that is this. Uh, Do you know how they train people to identify counterfeit money? That is, until we go digital. (laughs) They they don't have them study the, the counterfeit ones. They don't have them study all what's the false ones out there. They have them study the real thing so that they know it in and out. So listen, if they see an old counterfeit or if they see a new one, they know it's false because they know the real thing. And so church, this is how you are not caught up. This is how you are not led astray. This is how you are not gullible. (laughs) 
We need to know the word. We need to be saturated with the word. And, and listen, if you're in the word, if you're just in the word, faithfully, this is what I know. I don't have to know everything. I haven't, you know, I know the word better now than I did when I began. But when I began, if I was faithful in the word, then with the Holy Spirit in the word, I just, I, 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 would, I would encounter someone and, and I couldn't put it in words. I couldn't tell you what it was. I just knew something was off. And so I'm not asking you all to be theologians and all the stuff that I do. Just, just spend time with God. Be, be in his word. Submit to his spirit. And listen, you don't have to know. You, you, your senses in the Lord will be up. And you'll be able to sense it, feel it. Verse 6 continues. What does Jesus specifically say about this version of Christianity? Not good. <laughs> Which I also, what? Hate. He hates it. Well, why? Because it's a perverted gospel, right? Because the Bible says, listen, if you genuinely believe in Jesus, then you will bear his fruit. If you truly know Jesus and love Jesus, you will want to obey him. You will want to pursue holiness. You will want to repent and put to death sin in your life. You will not continue in a pattern of selfishness and, and sin and wickedness and doing your own thing and going, oh, well, you know, nobody's perfect. Pray to prayer. That's an abuse of grace. And that's not anything of what is described here. That's, that's not a loving relationship with Jesus. That's not someone who has God residing within them. That, that's not walking in the spirit and according to truth. Not even close. Back up to verse 3. I know you're enduring, I know you are enduring patiently and, and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown. Weary, that is again, Jesus said, man, you, you've given it all, man. You, you've been consistent. That is, listen, you're a hardworking church. I see it, I know it. You're an enduring church. You're a doctrinally sound church. Verse four. But, <laughs> but I have this against you, that you have what? Abandon the love you had at first. Now, 
Now notice Jesus doesn't say here that they lost it. It says that they left it, they abandoned it. And in our culture, we like to talk about love as though we lose it. And, and we sing songs. You've lost that love and feeling, you know. Now it's gone, right? It's gone, gone. There you go. Thank you. I wasn't willing to sing it. But the Bible says love's not like that. You don't lose it. You, you abandon it. And that can happen in one choice or it can happen in lots of multiple choices over a period of time, over a process. And this distinction is really, really important. Because, listen, you can lose something by accident, right? Whoops. But abandonment is a deliberate choice. And so what Jesus is saying to this church, all those good things, right? What he is saying to this church is you have made deliberate choices, to distance yourself from me. You're cold towards me. And listen, you're, you're doing some good things, but <laughs> you're doing them on your own. <laughs> you're, you're, you're gritting it. <laughs> you're getting it done, but I'm not a part of it. You're relying on your own strength and intellect and talent and your church programs. And my goodness, you have church down without me. That statement scares me. And the Holy Spirit is quenched. And the Holy Spirit is grieved. And he is about to depart for good. Is what Jesus says in verse 7. We'll get there. Well, how do we know that the Holy Spirit was grieved and quenched? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Agape love, by the way. Not eros. Eros is, hey, I'm attracted to you. You're hot. Phileo is, uh, I'm your friend. We have a partnership. I like you and you like me. I like you because you do that. And we've got a I scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of love. Agape love. The love that Jesus is talking about here is, is God's love. It's an unconditional love. It's, it's a love that has to be imparted to us. You can't love agape without the Spirit imparting it to you. You can't do it. And they weren't doing it. Fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and Paul even argues in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is preeminent. 
take a look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3 on the screen. It says this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. (laughs) And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, that'd be pretty cool. But I have not love. Listen, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain what? Nothing. That is, abandon love, lose all. Verse 5. Remember, therefore, that is, here's Jesus' prescription to us to rekindle our love for him. Remember, therefore, from where you have, what? Fallen. That is remember. Remember, friends, when you were seated with Christ in the heavenly places, but now you're walking according to the flesh. Remember how you used to just enjoy reflecting on, the, on his beauty, on, on his holiness, on, on his goodness, how, how good it was for your soul to cast your eyes on Jesus and think about the purity of, of his judgments and the fairness of his ways in a world that is so not... Remember when you partook of his life? You could feel it inside of you. And you ate of his word. And you you crucified your flesh. You put it to death daily. And and you filled yourself with the spirit. And and you knew his power. You you knew his presence. You, You could feel it in your body. He gave you joy when you shouldn't have it. He gave you strength when you shouldn't have it. He gave you peace in the midst of a storm. It shouldn't be that way. Do you remember? Do you remember the strongholds that have broken in your life? Do you remember how lost and lonely you were, but now he is with you and will not forsake you? Do you remember? Do you remember the demons that have fleed? Do you remember where God has touched and healed? Do you remember how many times he's answered? How many times he has not failed you? How many times he has been faithful and you were unfaithful to him? Do you remember? Remember how far 
you have fallen. The reality is some of us, some of us need to know Jesus for the first time. Because you have no clue what I just said. And so you can't remember because you don't know. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Because you can't. That apart from the false apostles, we're all on equal plane here, okay? There's no one here above another. We all can experience the presence and power of God. Amen. So listen, all you need to do is turn from your sin. Turn from you being the boss, calling the shots, trying to control everything, trying to manipulate everything. Confess your wickedness and your unbelief and your rebellion and turn to God and he will fill you. He will forgive you. He will give you life and life everlasting, friend. Some of us, some of us, church, we need to remember we're cold. We've distanced ourselves, we stopped believing. Stop spending time. Lots of reasons. And the devil's such a dirty dog. It's, it's just baby steps, right? And all of a sudden, we're way farther away than we ever intended to be. You need to remember and come home. Come home. And you'll find a father whose arms are open wide. But then there's a warning to us. If we do not, if we do not, we will... We will try to do this life. We will try to put on some image of spirituality or Christianity, whatever word you want to put on there. In our own effort, and his light will depart. Do you know some churches that were once incredible movements of God that God's light has departed? Oh yeah. Not so with us, church, right? Please, please join me, please, please. 
not so with us. Verse 5 continues. Remember then, verse 5, repent. (laughs) That is change. Listen, quit ignoring, quit making excuses, quit justifying, change. Change your commitments, change your thinking. Turn from your sin, turn to God. It's that simple. Turn, Turn from what you think is right, turn from your way, turn to God's way. That's all repentance is. And do. So we remember, we repent, and then he says, and do the works you did at first. That is, listen, when you first encountered God, you wanted to know him. It was exciting, right? It was amazing. But somehow you've allowed your flesh, the world, the devil, to take that away. To allow you to grow cold. And then Jesus gives this warning to us. If not, I will come to you and what? Remove your lampstand from its place. That is God's light, God's glory, God's anointing will leave our church and our lives personally as well. Oh Lord, may it never be. May it increase in Jesus' name, right? Please, Lord. Verse 7, he who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life that is eternal life, which is in the paradise of God. That is heaven. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.